broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey, hey, Las Vegas, what's up? I'm Crystal Heath. This is Drive Time. No, it's not. It's the Frittle Show. Just kidding. Thanks for being with us today. We're going to have kind of a hodgepodge of what's going on in the world. Go over some news and then uh, we'll get into the Hong Kong-China situation in the bottom of the hour. We're going to start out in my home state of Pennsylvania. Guys, 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 guys. Now listen, I have a bunch of friends in Philly and I love Philadelphia. It's a great city. The cheesesteaks are out of this world. I have run the steps like Rocky. Um, I have been downtown. I like. I've spent some time in Philadelphia, done different ministry opportunities in Philadelphia. Um, the history of the place just incredible. I saw the Liberty Bell there before it was in the glass box. Like, <laughs> and if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you have no idea. Uh, you know. Independence Hall, more times than I can remember. Like, it wasn't that far away growing up. Philadelphia and Gettysburg were the places that we went to all the time on field trips, right? So, look, I love Philadelphia. But from my experience with Philadelphia, I'm going to be honest with you and just really frank about this. Philadelphians kind of have a similar reputation to, uh, say, maybe those in Oakland, Okay, so th- when when you think about football and you think football fans, Raiders fans that are in Oakland. Okay, I'm not I'm not saying that this is going to be the case in Vegas. At least I hope not. But um, Oakland fans do not have the best reputation for being like friendly and kind, right? I'm just I know some people are probably going to be offended by this, but it's just it's true. I'm not saying that that's how it will be in Las Vegas. I hope it will be very different. I think that Knights fans. I think that this that our city has the potential to transform the Raiders fan image. And I I hope and think that we will. I'm saying currently the image is not fantastic. All right. Um, Eagles fans are kind of the same way. Okay. Philadelphia. um, It's just, there's a, there's a crassness and a toughness and a, the world has beat us down and we're going to stand up and, and fight. Um, mentality that's not necessarily wrong but sometimes is demonstrated in wrong ways okay and and can come across as improper or unnecessary or just plain violent such was the case last night in a story that just is absolutely terrible i i read this yesterday that this was going on and just shook my head. I was like, guys, you know what? Philly already has a reputation. You don't need to go be doing this stuff. That was a very Philly thing to say, by the way. Very, very northeastern Jersey Philly thing to say. You don't need to be doing this stuff. Six police officers wounded in a shootout and a standoff in Philadelphia 
last night. So several officers with the Philadelphia Narcotics Strike Force were serving a warrant at a multifamily home in connection with what was believed to have been a drug-related offense. When things went bad almost immediately, the, uh, the shooter opened fire. This standoff and shootout lasted for more than eight hours. Six officers shot in the ordeal. Two officers were trapped on the second floor of the building, and the gunman shot through the first floor ceiling and outside at responding law enforcement. After more than five hours of gunfire, SWAT officers managed to get the two officers and three hostages out of the residence safely. The gunman eventually surrendered just after midnight this morning. Uh... He was, it was just a horrible situation to begin with, right? But as police are responding to this active shooting, as police officers are getting shot, residents in this neighborhood were harassing the, the officers that were responding to the scene and SWAT those responding to the scene by throwing objects at the police, taunting them, yelling at them, pushing them. Absolutely unbelievable. Reporters that were on the scene, not even conservative reporters, said uh, there was a a gal there, Alexandria Hoff, said, uh, I mentioned this at 10, and since I was harassed during that live shot, I'll mention it here too. A major moment of disappointment this evening was watching a crowd of people taunt police officers, laughing and yelling at them in the midst of gunfire. What kind of neighborhood does this? And I, I, I've been in these streets in Philadelphia. I've, I, I can't even tell you some of the things that I've seen happen on the streets of Philadelphia. Okay. Also, by the way, the best place to get a Philly cheesesteak is in a corner store, in inner city Philadelphia. Like no Pats, no Genos, no. You go down in the place where you might not want to go if you don't know where you're going, and that is where you buy the cheesesteak. That's the best one, okay? In the part of town that may not be the most pleasant all the time. But that's where the best cheesesteak is. But so these officers are responding to this situation which is unfolding, and while they're literally being shot at, as officers are being wounded, you have a crowd of people jeering at them, taunting them, throwing things at them, shoving them, surrounding this situation. Oh, I, there's gunfire and you're and you, it's instead of like running away or going to your own home or making sure your family is safe. No, you go to where the gunfire is happening so that you can harass the police officers that are responding to this situation and you continue to harass them as they are literally being shot at. And wounded. Six officers wounded in this eight-hour standoff. Just unbelievable to me. Like, I know there are other things happening in the world, right? But, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't care about Chris Cuomo. I think it's stupid. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, do I think it's suspicious? Sure. There the bones in his neck more likely to be broken by strangulation from someone uh, from homicide than by uh, than by suicide sure okay uh, but you know do I think it's suspicious yeah 
Do I also think that people commit suicide in prison on a very regular basis and that this is something that is a problem in our correctional system? Yes. Do I think either of these stories are worthy of our time today? No. Here's why. I don't care what Chris Cuomo thinks about a word that may or may not, and most likely not, be a racial slur. And as for Epstein, this was an evil man conducting unspeakable evil throughout his life. Do I hope that justice will be served? I certainly do. But I don't think it's of benefit to you, my listener, or myself to jump into those conspiracy theories and or further discuss the the ins and outs of his case. Everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what he did. Investigations are being done as they should be, but there's really nothing constructive that I can add to that conversation, or really, I think, anything constructive that we can learn from this situation by continuing to rehash it. Look, this is a bad dude doing bad stuff. And unless we change people's hearts, the bad stuff is going to keep happening. It doesn't matter whether or not he committed suicide or somebody killed him. Now, again, obviously I hope that justice is done, but really what good does it do us? I I don't know. Do we need to know if there was foul play? Yes. Are there investigations being done to find out? Yes. FBI, Congress, everybody's doing an investigation. So why don't we just, you know, wait and see? Oh, that's right. I forgot. We we don't trust the results of investigations anymore. We let people that are <laughs> we send people to school to learn how to do these things. They spend all this money to become experts, and then we hail them as experts. And then when the experts do what they do and come to a determination, we no longer accept those determinations unless they agree with what we already thought anyway. It's just ridiculous. So while we're talking about things that people that have a job know their job and are trying to do their job. And we're just speculating until their jobs are done, and then when their jobs are done, we may or may not agree with them, depending on whether or not their findings agree with what we've already predetermined, even though we're completely removed from the situation. We're just going to keep talking about those things when we have situations like this in Philadelphia, where people are behaving in a manner that is absolutely unacceptable, but we're not going to talk about this in Philadelphia because, you know, that's just an inconvenience. Uh, You know, we had six officers shot, and we have people harassing them and taunting them and throwing stuff at them while they're being shot at, but that's no big deal. Let's talk about Jeffrey Epstein. No! I'm so sick of the way our, our culture works. Like, we're so obsessed with things that to me just don't even it's not gonna matter like it what matters is the fact that we have kids in philadelphia seeing that this is acceptable that this is okay behavior and being encouraged to participate in something like this when you have officers responding to a a, a criminal and then being shot at and while they're being shot at harassing and taunting the very people that 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 these kids are going to need to call someday if they're in trouble are being taunted while they're being shot at. And we're not dealing with this situation because we're so focused on the fact that, you know, this guy that may have had connections to Trump or he may have had connections to Clintons, he may have had connections to somebody somewhere. And how many times did they fly on his plane? And now he's been either committed suicide or murdered. Why? Everybody needs the answers. Yes. Okay. I get it. And yes, I think it's important, and yes, I want justice for the victims there. But do you see what I'm saying, though? We don't... We're not going to get anywhere. There's nothing... There's nothing we can do about Epstein at this point because he's dead, okay? I know it sounds crass, but there are children in Philadelphia watching their parents, their aunts, their uncles, their brothers, their sisters 
taunting police officers while they're being shot at. To me, that's maybe something that's more important for us to look at because these are, these are souls, these are beings, these are people that need to understand that this is not okay and they will not understand that this is not okay until, until the church is the church again, until we reach people. We cannot change. You, you won't change actions until you change the hearts and until we recognize that there's a heart problem, we can't change the heart problem. We just keep putting band-aids on wounds that need a tourniquet and then we wonder why terrible things happen in the world. <sighs> I best get off my soapbox or else this could just take up my entire program. And I said that we would talk about Hong Kong today and help you guys understand that. So I'm going to I'm going to let this one I'm going to I'm going to move on from this. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all worked up there. Just kind of kind of happens sometimes. <laughs> so let's talk about something more fun, Obamacare. It's like it doesn't even exist. It's like it never happened. It's like it was never supposed to be a stepping stone to single payer or 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 that it was before it or that or that crossing state lines or competition might be a good thing or or that maybe what we had before Obamacare was we were better off before Obama No, we'll just pretend that Obamacare is just really not a thing. Except that, you know, then President, Vice President, rather, Joe Biden, uh, when Obamacare passed, famously said that it was a big blanking deal. But now, when you listen to the debates, <laughs> you might get a different impression. It might not be such a big deal. No, in fact, Democratic candidates, including Joe Biden, are trying to distance themselves from Obamacare because it is an epic failure. Representative Tulsi Gabbard said the reality is right now we don't have a health care system. We have a sick care system, and there are far too many people in this country who are sick and unable to get the care that they need because they cannot afford it. Hmm. The fact that big insurance companies and big pharmaceutical companies who have been profiting off the backs of sick people have had a seat at this table writing this legislation. She goes on to name Kathleen Sebelis. Remember her? Former Health and Human Services Secretary. Under... Guess who? Barack Obama, who helped write and implement Obamacare. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio said Americans right now are paying so much money for their health care. Ask people about the reality of premiums, deductibles, co-pays, out-of-pocket expenses. We are on our way just a handful of years to literally spending 20% of our economy, or one out of every $5, on health care, said Senator Cory Booker. And we spend more than every other nation. <laughs> more than multiple other countries combined. Senator Elizabeth Warren said, We have tried the solution of Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance, and what have the private insurance companies done? They've sucked billions of dollars out of our health care system. Senator Bernie Sanders said, Nobody can defend the dysfunctionality of the current system. Here's the problem. This isn't the Republican system. This isn't George W. Bush's health care system. Or even the terrific... GOP plan that President Trump promised during the last campaign because despite the GOP's best or I would argue worst efforts to do something about it, Obamacare is the law of the land and has been such since it was implemented by 
guess who? Barack Obama. But nobody is mentioning the fact that the problem with our health care system is that Obamacare has just multiplied the problems. And I hope, I hope that some Republican, whether it be Trump or somebody down the line, somebody has got to point this out. We, we cannot allow this to continue to where there's just this constant discussion of our healthcare system is completely messed up. Even Bernie Sanders, like Bernie Sanders' current system is totally dysfunctional. Yes, it is. It's called Obamacare. Help us get rid of it. Help us make that go away. Help us find real solutions. And no, the solution is not Medicare for all, which is what Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are proposing. In fact, Bernie Sanders has released his Medicare for all plan. It will cost, no big deal, just, you know, 30 to 40 trillion dollars over the next decade. You probably can't even picture that many zeros in your head because it's a lot. How much does that mean it will cost you? Like, you, you, 30 trillion, okay, well, whatever. No, 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 not whatever. Let me explain to you. If implemented by the year 2022, experts, let me see, who did this study? Um, okay, Justin Haskins, a research fellow at the Heartland Institute created a breakdown of how much Americans across every income bracket would have to pay in additional taxes if Bernie's Medicare for All plan became the law of the land. All right? Remember now, this is additional taxes. This is taxes on top of what you pay right now. All right? So by the year 2022... Americans earning from $50,000 to $75,000 a year would need to pay, on average, between eight dollars and $9,000 more in new taxes every year. That's on top of the tax burden already facing those individuals. Additional eight dollars to $9,000 in new taxes on top of what they are already paying. Those earning seventy-five dollars to $100,000 would pay an additional thirteen dollars to $15,000 a year. Additional, on top of what they are already paying. Translation, Bernie's plan would financially destroy the middle class. And you would say, oh, well, but tax break... No, 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 no. This is doubling, tripling, quadrupling in some cases, especially for families, the tax burden... On middle class America. Now, how does he justify this? Well, he says that Medicare for all is going to be funded by the millionaires and the billionaires. No, it's not. If the federal government took every penny belonging to every person on Forbes 400 richest Americans list, it would only amount to 2.9% trillion dollars which is less than one-tenth of the 10-year cost of medicare for all and then that money would just be gone they wouldn't they wouldn't be providing tax dollars for any other program which by the way right now those wealthy people are paying for most of our tax burden in this country as it is 
So you, you can't say, well, the millionaires, the billionaires, the 1% are going to pay for it. No, they can't. If you took literally every penny that they have, it wouldn't be a tenth of what you need to fund this program, and then their money, which funds pretty much every other program, would cease to exist. Medicare for all would literally bankrupt the country and our, our families and our cities. Our like, it just, all the money, just gone. It does, like, th there is literally no way that this can work. In fact, it's so bad that Sanders' own Senate office essentially admitted they can't fund this thing uh, by uh, in their in their issuance of their uh, options to finance Medicare for All paper, where they propose numerous tax creases. But even with the tax increases they propose in this paper, they only reach half. So, so they, they, they lay out multiple estimates for, okay, this is how, this is what it would cost us to do. Even after they put in, well, this is how we'll pay for it, their solutions for how we'll pay for it only fund half of the cheapest options. So, <laughs> it doesn't even work when, in, in the plan they put forward. They can't even say how they will get the money by raising the taxes. Because it's, it's impossible. It cannot work. During the Democratic presidential debate, Sanders was basically forced to admit that the middle class is going to face a tax increase as a result of Medicare for all. But, you know, his this and this is the argument. It's really not that big of a deal because those tax increases are going to be offset by the fact that you won't need to pay for your other health care costs. Now, I don't know about you, but unless you have something catastrophic happen in your family, you may not need to spend anywhere from eight to $15,000 a year on your health insurance. I mean, actual, like, medical, uh, like, what, you, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, right now, um, out, like, your co-pays, what you physically pay out of pocket for your medical insurance needs, or for your medical needs, just, just for your medical needs. I'm guessing for most of the country that probably isn't adding up to eight to $15,000 a year that they're paying out of pocket for Medicare, medical costs. Despite the completely dysfunctional system that we have, which it is completely dysfunctional, all the Democratic candidates have said that it's broken, that our healthcare system is broken. They just don't call it what it is, which is Obamacare, which is why it's more broken than it was before we tried to fix it. So, I'm pointing this out to say, A, socialism doesn't work, because we should always remember that socialism doesn't work. How does it relate right now? I'm not going to get into it, but just remember socialism doesn't work. B, the rosy, happy plans of free stuff for everybody doesn't work. And C, I, I don't, I mean, Democrat, Republican, vote for who you will, but just Look at what they're proposing, please. Please look at what they're proposing. Please do some, just a little bit of basic math, a little bit of research. You don't have to listen to me. 
you don't you don't have to take my word for it. You can watch CNN, you can watch Fox News, you can watch The Blaze, you can watch NBC, CNBC. I, whatever it is, wherever you go, just just look at some actual numbers. Like I'm telling you, Sanders' own options to finance paper, the numbers aren't there. Like just a few clicks, a little bit of research and you can say, uh, this isn't going to work. And I know it seems far away, but elections are right around the corner, really. Please, guys, educate yourselves on these issues. Please know what and who you're voting for. And if you want my take and my personal opinion, I'll give it to you sometime, not on the radio. But all I'm saying is, please think through how these people and their decisions will impact even if they don't impact you how they will impact your children and your grandchildren i mean this this will literally bankrupt our country if this man has his way you will you you will not have money like <laughs> you might as well just throw it all in the oven because it's it there's no way there's literally no way to pay for medicare for all Sanders' own office cannot fund his plan. That's how bad it is. It doesn't work. (sighs) Meanwhile, while Bernie Sanders is struggling with his Medicare for All plan and how to pay for it, because he can't, Elizabeth Warren is drawing almost as many supporters as Bernie Sanders at her events in New Hampshire this week. Kind of interesting. Some are speculating that a Sanders-Warren alliance may be coming. That, I think, could work for Democrats, but it will only work for the far left. I don't know what will happen with moderate Democrats, if they'll just be so fed up with Trump that they'll vote for that ticket anyway, or if there would be a protest. I, I don't know. I don't know how that where that would go. But it's something to... It's something to think about. Something to ponder if you are of the political pondering type. Okay. We are going to ponder Hong Kong when we return in just a few minutes. This is KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Don't go away. So fun fact for your traveling folk. Did you know that you can trick the Southwest? Don't tell them that I figured out how to do this. But you can trick Southwest into showing you essentially what the prices will be on flights they have not yet released by searching the low fare calendar. You're welcome, travelers. I'm trying to find a way back after Christmas. The flights. My grandmother is taking our whole extended family on a cruise over Christmas and New Year's this year, which is amazing, and I'm so grateful, and I can't wait. Um, She thinks she won't have many more opportunities to do something cool with all of us, so this is what she wants to do. It's cool with me, Grandma. Problem is we get back in on a Sunday morning into port, and I have to work in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I have to get from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm trying to get back for Sunday church and flights from everybody are much too much unless somebody wants to start like a GoFundMe account (laughs) 
I don't know how I'm going to make this work. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah. Let's talk about Hong Kong, right? You've seen it in the news everywhere. Hong Kong. All the protests, flights shut down in the airport. I've been to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is an incredible, amazing place. I love the city of Hong Kong. It's, it's really cool. Now, I got to say, I'm not a fan of the food. I'm really not. Um, nope. I'm just, I'm not. So I spent some time in Taiwan, spent a couple months in Taiwan. A uh, little thing, it was a little over a week in Hong Kong. Or did we go to, uh, maybe a couple weeks in Hong Kong. I don't remember anymore. It's been a long time. Um, but in Taiwan, obviously it's different. Taiwanese, the culture's a little bit different. The food is different. Uh, they speak Mandarin. You go to Hong Kong and they speak Cantonese. And it's a different culture, uh, but a really cool city. Um, and I was I was really sad to see this happening in the airport, but I understand why it's happening. But I'm not sure that many of us who live in the West understand the dynamics between Hong Kong, China, Taiwan. Uh, and right now, the Hong Kong-China issue is really in the forefront because of these protests. So what is it that is being protested? Why is this such a big deal? Well, the protests began because uh, China was wanting to, or starting to rather, um, p- implement a plan to allow extradition from Hong Kong into mainland China. Which makes you go, okay, well, why would there be people that are fleeing to Hong Kong from mainland China that the Chinese would be chasing down? Now, obviously, you're going to have just your normal run-of-the-mill criminals in every country this happens, right? But there's much more to it than this, okay? Hong Kong is very different from other Chinese cities. While, yes, it is a Chinese city, it was a British colony for over 150 years. Years and Hong Kong Island, um, uh, Hong Kong Island itself was given to the UK after a, a war in the 1800s. Then China leased the rest of Hong Kong, called the New Territories, uh, to the to the UK for a period of 99 years. So you have mainland China, which is controlled by the Chinese government, and then you've had Hong Kong, which has been operating as more of a Western system under, under the UK for over a hundred years. Um, and so when you have this, this vast difference in governance, you obviously have a vast difference, uh, in, in the way life is lived, right? So, Hong Kong became a, a, a thriving port of trade. Its economy took off. Manufacturing, it just it it thrived under the UK, and it became extremely popular uh, with Chinese migrants and dissidents fleeing poverty or persecution or, or just plain instability in mainland China. In the early 1980s. Britain and China began to have talks over what's going to be the future of Hong Kong because uh, the deadline for the 99-year lease was approaching. It's amazing to me that the countries actually kept this 100-year bargain. Like, you would think in time it would just go away, right? Like, well, they made that deal 100 years ago. It doesn't apply. No, they, they, they talked about it. 
1997, Hong Kong was returned to China under the principle of a one country, two system uh, rule. So while Hong Kong would be one with China, uh, in foreign and defense affairs, they would be separate for 50 years. So currently, Hong Kong has its own legal system and borders and rights, including rights to freedom of assembly and freedom of speech. So they are still enjoying freedoms that are non-existent in mainland China. But those freedoms are on the decline as China gets more and more and more meddling into what is going on there. I don't know what's going to happen when the end of this 50-year, one-country, uh, two-system type deal comes to an end. That's just going to be... I. It's going to be chaos. But um, China, th there's just been many things happening that those living in Hong Kong say, hey, they're encroaching, they're encroaching, they're encroaching. Uh, there's been legal rulings that have disqualified Hong Kong's pro-democracy legislators. Um, Hong Kong booksellers have disappeared only to reappear in China. Artists, writers say that they have been pressured by the mainland to start censoring what they produce and what they make available. Um, Hong Kong's leader... I'm not gonna, I don't have time to explain all of this to you, the ins and outs of the politics. But what you need to understand is that essentially Hong Kong has uh, operated under a sense of, of difference... From, from mainland China, and though those who live in Hong Kong are ethnically Chinese, a majority of its citizens don't identify as Chinese. They identify themselves as Hong Kongers, is what they call themselves. Only 11% of those living in uh, Hong Kong would call themselves Chinese, and 71% do not feel proud to be Chinese citizens, according to a survey from the University of Hong Kong. And as you get younger, those numbers just increase. Young Hong Kongers are increasingly unlikely to identify as Chinese. Some young activists are calling for China's or for Hong Kong's complete independence from China, which of course alarms the Beijing government because again, Hong Kong has been a thriving uh, metropolis for both trade, infrastructure, everything. And protesters who've been protesting this extradition bill believe that that is just one step closer to making them China. And they don't want to be China. So, yes, this is about the extradition bill, but really the underlying issue is Hong Kongers do not identify by and large as Chinese, and they do not want to be identified as Chinese, and they feel that Hong Kong will just become another Chinese city if this bill is passed. There have been many protests in the past several decades in Hong Kong about China uh, over different issues, all relating back to this underlying issue of we don't want to be China. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse because those 50 years of the one country, two systems idea will quickly be coming to an end. So that begs the question, what's so bad about China? Why wouldn't they want to be Chinese? Well, it's because China does not have a good human rights record 
at all. In fact, things are happening in China that we cannot even talk about on this program because they are so anti-God and anti-family and anti-what would be moral and right and good. I will discuss some of them with you so that you have a, a little bit of understanding so when you see these things happening in the news, you, uh, you, you, you know that this is why. Okay, um, So the government of China controls, um, there's, there's not freedom of speech, there's not freedom of the press, there's not even freedom of uh, the, the internet to social media use, okay? News publications are restricted. Any news outlet that, that is thought to be slandering the country's political system is shut down. Um, the, the government controls what social media sites may be used, what may be seen on those social media sites. They, uh, 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 there are continual political motivated persecutions. Um, human rights protesters have been known to be detained, uh, convicted, tortured, isolated, monitored for months, if not years. Over 500,000 individuals are currently being detained in Chinese uh, prisons or, or labor, labor camps without the option for a trial or for access to any sort of legal aid. They are the leading executioner in the world. China has imposed the death penalty for nonviolent crimes and in cases of unfair trials for decades. China uh, only allows five officially recognized religions, and they may only function in approved religious sites. In fact, religious persecution, political persecution, persecution of all kinds, have uh, resulted in the State Department's annual uh, human rights report last year saying that China was one of the worst regimes for human rights due to its abuse and torture of Muslims. That's what our State Department said last year. It's not something you hear about all the time, right? But China has been accused of a rapid campaign to remove Muslim children from their families. Now, in Beijing... We'll talk about what's happening in, with the Uyghur uh, Muslims in Beijing in a moment. But in, uh, in other cities, Muslim children are being kidnapped, essentially, from their families by government officials and taken nobody knows where. Parents have been told... Uh, that they've been taken to orphanage-type facilities. And in one township, more than 400 children have lost one or more parents to either camps or prison. The children that remain with parents are often then taken from their parents to be mm, retrained how to think to learn how to be good citizens. They are allowed no contact whatsoever with their families. Parents are not given any information as to where their children are being taken. They're just taken.
Meanwhile, 1 million to 2 million estimated Uyghur Muslims in the region of Xinjiang have been detained by the Chinese. Over 1 million Muslims detained by the Chinese government for being Muslim. Tell me any other place in the world where a government could detain over a million people solely because of their religious or ethnic uh, affiliation or background and it not be an international outcry. And these people are not being detained in you know beautiful conditions. No, they're, they're essentially living in prison camps. And the idea is to eradicate the religious and ethnic identity of these people. And that's what China literally says. A prominent Uyghur activist, Omar Kanat, said the camps are designed to eradicate the Uyghur's religious and ethnic identity once and for all. Now, China has largely denied that these camps exist, but... Since it has been proven that they do exist, they now say, oh, but they're voluntary. And they're designed to just root out extremism. Except they're not voluntary. And reasons you can be thrown into one of these uh, facilities generally have nothing to do with terrorism. In fact, Chinese authorities use an app to track nearly every aspect of their citizens' lives and determine uh, if they are eligible, if you will, for these internment camps based on number of factors, including keeping to oneself, using too much electricity, and donating to a mosque. So literally using too much electricity can cause you to be thrown in one of these camps, which the Chinese government says, oh no, it's just voluntary, and to root out extremism. What is extreme about using you know, 20 more minutes of electricity than the government would prefer you to use? But it gets much worse. Um, and again, there are things that I, I won't talk about because this is a family program. But uh, women are, are regularly abused in these, in these camps. They are sterilized in these camps. Horrible, horrific human rights violations against these Muslims in China. But it doesn't stop there. They aren't just persecuting Muslims, they're also persecuting Christians that dare to worship uh, in a non-government-approved facility. Churches are being closed, pastors are being jailed, and the Chinese government has said, uh, the Chinese Communist Party is saying that it will create a new state translation of the Bible to establish a correct understanding of the text. That just sounds a little bit dangerous, doesn't it? Lee Lian Chi, a professor at Duke University, whose focus is on Christianity in modern China, said this the government has orchestrated the campaign to sinicize Christianity or to turn Christianity into a fully domesticated religion that would do the bidding of the Communist Party. Sinicize means to, to, make, uh, to make 
communist Chinese, essentially, which is what they are attempting to do in every religious group that is allowed to exist and operate in China, including with Islam. Islam, Christianity, rewrite the Bible so that there is a more proper understanding. Chinese Christians have been fleeing the country as the Communist Party has carried out a widespread crackdown on all religious institutions. They've been bulldozing churches, bulldozing mosques, barring Tibetan children from studying Buddhist religion. President Xi Jinping who is also the Communist Party leader, has ordered that all religions must sinicize to ensure they are loyal to the official atheistic party or face the wrath of the communist regime. More than 100 members of the early Rain Church were taken into custody from their church or their, from their homes on December 9th and 10th for worshiping in the non-government approved church. Some that have been released have reported that they have to report their whereabouts to police using social media whenever leaving home, and that their safety are told by police that their safety cannot be guaranteed. A third of all Christians in China, no, excuse me, a third of all believers in any religion, face very high levels of persecution, according to experts and activists, who also say that China, the Chinese government is now waging the most severe suppression of Christianity, Islam, and Buddhism in the country since religious freedoms were granted in 1982. That is what is being protested in Hong Kong. That is why protesters in Hong Kong are waving the American flag and saying they want freedom and they want democracy. What they're saying is they don't want communism. What they're saying is they don't want to be Chinese. They don't want the life that the Chinese people are subjected to because of their communist leadership. Communism, socialism, it isn't some fun social experiment that if somebody would just do it right, it would work so great. No, it, it's been tried. It doesn't work. It never will. And the Chinese people are suffering because of this. And this is what Hong Kong is protesting. Everybody's talking about, oh, well, the extradition. Well, yeah, that's the surface issue. But the underlying issue is that the Hong Kongers do not want to be ruled by China. They don't want the communist system ruling th th them when they have lived under a, a form of, of democracy and freedom through the UK uh, and the UK governmental system, and they see what's happening in China, the Chinese flee to Hong Kong for the freedom that Hong Kong represents. What are they fleeing from? They're fleeing from the, the, the la complete lack of freedom under communism. That's, that is the bottom line here. So when you see these images of people waving the American flag and of, of the protesting, and I'm not going to get into whether or not the protesting is being done properly or if this should be or that should be. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just trying to give you a foundation of this is why. 
This is why this is happening. This is what is being protested. So that you know, so you can have a conversation with your family, so you can talk with your kids. And I think it's a great conversation to have with your kids. Look, look at the flag that they're waving. The flag that some American, okay, I'm not going to get into it, but look, look at the flag that they're waving. It's an American flag. No matter what anybody says, the American flag still represents freedom, the rights to pursue life, liberty, and happiness all around the world. And Hong Kongers are waving the American flag because they do not want to be governed by a communist system and a communist government, a communist country. That's what's happening in Hong Kong. So now you know the rest of the story, if you will. Not quite as condensed as Paul Harvey or as eloquent, for sure, but you know it nonetheless. All right, it's time for me to wrap things up and let you go about your day. So I'm going to do that. Thanks so much for being with us. Always great to have you here. We're broadcasting from Liberty Baptist Church at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard, and we would love to have you join us for our Sunday morning services at 930 or 1115, 6 p.m. Sunday evening. If you can't be here in person, you can stream us online by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com. And that's it. I'm debating what song to play for you next. Um, Let's see. My debt was paid. This is a good one. From the Collinsworth family, it's My Debt Was Paid, and we will see you back here same time, same place tomorrow on KVXL. 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas.